Hi, my name is Jason Miles. I'm a Senate candidate with the Great Australian Party and I'm running up here in Queensland. I'm running because I want the restoration of the Commonwealth, our true law, and I want to see all our rights upheld. And this is my story. Welcome to Fair Go, your favourite podcast about building a better tomorrow. A podcast by the people, for the people, where we share small business stories from the business owners themselves. When you encounter unfair obstacles that are too hard to overcome on your own, remember, you don't have to do it alone. Together, we can rebuild our great Southland and make Australia proud again. Join us today at fairbusinessaustralia.com.au. Well, welcome to Fair Go, a podcast by the people for the people. I am extremely pleased to have with me today Jason Miles. Jason um, is a very health conscious individual, very, very down to earth. I've heard him speak a couple of times at uh, different events. And uh, he also is a political candidate. So I asked him, hey, Jason, do you reckon you could come on and speak with the podcast today? He said, yep, absolutely. And so here he is, Jason, welcome. And thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks, Rebecca. It's a pleasure to be here. Really excited. Now, I hear you're actually out um, on one of the islands. Is that correct? I live on a little island called Bribey. Yes, that's it. (laughs) Which is about 20-odd minutes off the main highway. But, uh, yeah, not not long-term, just here for family reasons at the moment. Yeah, from back from Victoria after 17 years down there. Yeah, right. And how long ago did you come back from Victoria? June the 7th, we arrived back here, came back to see my mum. So lived Queensland for most of my life, went to Victoria for work and then, um, yeah, came back because, you know, mum wasn't, well, she was fine. Uh, sadly, she died a few months after we got back. So I got to, got to spend a bit of time with her, but it wasn't expected. And then my wife's folks are also um, her father. Yeah, so we're going through some stuff there. So it's a, it's a good location right now. It's a beautiful spot, mind you. Uh, I'm not complaining about it, but. I'm aiming to go a little bit further north, up past Noosa, somewhere there. Oh, nice. So you don't think you're going to return down to Victoria anytime soon? Categorically not, no. I did my 17 year. I love Victoria. It's a beautiful state. I think it's probably the most livable state. If the, you know, you got to put up with the weather. That is very true, depending where you live as well. Um, it can be very different from, like, it's so different, the weather. But, you know, you got the you got the Murray, you got the snow, you got Wilson's Prom, Mornington, you got Gippsland, you know, um, Horsham with with Halls Gap, Bellarine Peninsula. It's just an amazing wineries. It's an amazing place to live. Just it was poorly governed, in my opinion. And we saw what we saw in Melbourne, especially, was just something I'd never witnessed in my life. So mm. yeah, it wasn't the reason why we left. We were staying there for the long haul. But mum's, you know, getting back to see my mum and my family was pretty key for me. Yeah, of course. And. What was it like for someone who, because um, we'll move across to your political um, aspirations in a little while, but the fact that you're quite awake politically and, and, and um, outspoken politically as well, what was it like for you living down um, in what seems to be quite a crushing environment down in Victoria for the last however many months? Well, it was something I'd never witnessed before. So I'm going to put my hand up and say I was probably like a lot of people who were saying it. I was asleep at the wheel. Australia's been a great country. We've just rolled on by. Politicians can do what they want. Um, There is a perception. I always had it without really um, stepping into an awareness that they governed over us, not for us. Um, You know, so long as they were doing what they're doing and and didn't bother me and impact my life, I didn't really care. Um, I, I started getting really interested in about 2011 not so much from the political side, but from what co- the role corporations play in the decision-making of government. And that was around health and wellness with Big Pharma. 
Um, I went down a rather, not even a rabbit hole, so I just investigated a lot of research, a lot of research around that. Did over 2,000 hours cancer research and I understand now why um, Big Pharma doesn't want to cure anything because they will lose they will lose business. They are a profit-making machine. Now, there is upside to Big Pharma. I'll say that very clearly. Some people have dependencies for certain medications and tools they need or equipment they need to survive. I'm not saying it's all cynical. I'm not saying it's all bad. I just think it's grossly out of balance, grossly out of balance. And so, obviously, because you're very health conscious and I was... Um, privileged to hear your views on health in another conversation that we had um, last week on a different live. But given your health views, is that is that one of the reasons why you decided to put your hand up for politics? Look, it was part and part. I guess it was certainly it certainly contributed to the decision. What I saw though, this this disproportionate response, and and I consider it tyranny um, for government just to maintain this this unpivotable lockstead, I use that word, it's theirs, not mine, view that this is the only way forward, despite overwhelming data, overwhelming information beyond the mainstream. Now, 13 January 2020 is when I first thought something was wrong with what was going on. You'd heard flitterings or flutterings of um, said virus over there, but January wasn't really a big deal. Uh, it wasn't until we went to San Diego on the 1st of March that it really started, you know, gaining momentum. And then we had to leave. We took the last flight out of San Diego. We were over there for for um, health reasons for my wife, um, going through a pretty tough time. But I met with some amazing specialists over there, just highly connected people. Um, and they're not conspiracy theorists. These are 30, 40-year experts in their field that said, this is far greater than what you're seeing. And then when Morrison came out and I researched the Imperial College of London, Neil Ferguson, and looked at his forecasts, I actually, I actually researched them. And it made me wonder, and I said it on about, I think, the 18th of March, 19th of March, I said it in one of my posts, why isn't Scott Morrison getting a second or third or fourth opinion if the action he's about to take is going to have potentially devastating consequences? Now, we didn't know that back then because it was only two weeks to flatten said curve, but hindsight's a beautiful thing. Yeah, right. And so um, could you briefly go into what you discovered during that research as to why Scott Morrison was not getting another um, opinion? Wouldn't have a clue why Scott Morrison did not get another opinion. Um, I'm, off the, I'm off the view now that there was a, uh, I don't think Australia's, in my opinion, being controlled by Australia Parliament. I think there's a broader um, global agenda. Uh, and I think it's pretty consistent, consistent rather with the messaging we hear from politicians, from the mainstream media, and, of course, we learnt now recently where the mainstream media was given, I think in some cases, 100% tax breaks. They were offered them in February 2020, as I understand it. I haven't validated it, but I'm pretty sure it's accurate from the person who told me to make sure they promoted the, the concerns around what was coming. <sighs> so it, it, certainly, yeah. it certainly alerted me to things yeah. that weren't right. And then from there moving forward, the language changed, you know, the lies that came through Daniel Andrews about eight Australian Defence Force. There were so many inconsistencies with the stories. And for me, um, Rebecca, it was almost like they were moving us from this pen, closing the gate behind us. So forget about what happened okay. yesterday. And this is your new normal, if I can use that. And then they move you to the next pen and the next, you know, they told us early on that we needed uh, one of the alleged um, uh what do I want to call them? Inject. We'll just call it an injection, and then life goes back to normal. Well, right. 
And now there's a Dutch study out. I don't know if anyone's read it, but if they didn't, there's a Dutch study out with 12,000 families about um, what Omicron is doing to those that have actually gone down the path of taking the injection. It's it's just damning. It really is damning. Really? Mm. Really? So, okay. So what, what you're saying is um, it's pretty strong and it's quite polarising. I mean, we have an audience that tends to kind of swing that way anyway, but for anyone that's maybe new to this podcast and is listening, in essence, and please correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is, is that um, unfortunately now because we've been asleep at the wheel, we are beholden to government, we think that they are our superiors and they're, they're there to govern over us, not there to serve us, but the government itself um, is not actu- actually acting um, autonomously. It is beholden to a far greater global um, scheme and it all revolves around money and lies and propaganda. Is that actually what you're saying or have I got that wrong? I would say no. That's that's a fairly uh, fairly accurate summary. Um, I would say we are beholden to a corporation machine. Now you can argue about the whole. And Malcolm Roberts came out recently talking about Pekka Maru. I haven't made the Pekka Maru claim, um, but there certainly is some of the investigation that I'm currently involved with with former senators would suggest there is a lot of corporate interest in what is going on in government. Let me just say that, and we'll we'll go through this as. As time goes through, as much we got to get the evidence first, you know. So yes. we want to get the information out of the adversary, if you will, yes. and then we'll we'll put that to the Australian people. They can decide ultimately. And what I say, what I investigate, really is one thing. But the Australian people need to make a decision about whether or not they are prepared to continue down this path. And a right. lot of the work Rod Cullerton did and the team, yeah. um, you know, Daryl, Daryl, there's a bunch of them Neil, with around the, the the Great Seal, which again Malcolm Roberts called out, and we've since challenged Malcolm to a public open debate we'd like to have that with him with our special he can bring in the solicitor general if he wishes we would welcome that we'll bring our experts in what we consider our experts and then we can have people can actually see proper discourse in this country now if we're wrong happy days we're wrong but at least people get to see the truth or get to hear the truth so we've offered malcolm i know uh, rod cullerton has actually texted him we've posted it up on our main facebook page offering him that um, the, the invitation because he was representing the Australian government at the time. Uh, so we're happy to have that conversation with him. Yeah. And so when you say we're doing this, we're doing that, you're talking specifically about yourself, Rod Cullerton, and people who are conglomerated in what is the Greatest Australia Party, correct? Yeah, we go a bit wider than that, though, Rebecca. So we're, look, we don't care, honestly, if if another, we'll call it a freedom party for one of a better, for one of a better phrase, it's not the right term, but I can't think yeah. of one quickly. If if five or six freedom parties got through on the on, under the under the same foundations we have about the restoration of the Commonwealth, beautiful, absolutely happy. Because I don't particularly want to run to be a politician. I want to run. I am heavily motivated for truth and the injustices that have occurred on the Australian people and our country. And the deeper I go into this with people who are in the know the more I uncover. So whether it's Informed Medical Options Party, Great Australia, uh, sorry, Great Australian Party, Australian Federation Party, or any other, if they win the seat, happy days. But Australia, in my opinion, needs to break this four-party preferred system. Labor National, uh, Labor Greens, Liberal National. They need to break it because it is set up so one of these two will always remain in authority, if I can say that. And we are hell-bent on doing our best to break that. 
we're making a lot of noise in the media, or Rod is certainly making a lot of noise. He's now getting a lot of attention, let's just say that, but it's not going to stop us. It's not going to stop us. We're not backing down. Mm. And for people who haven't heard about Great Australia Party or Rod Cullerton or yourself, could you nutshell what GAP actually stands for? Who's Rod Cullerton in a, in a nutshell so that yeah. people can know? Of course, yeah. So Rod, Rob, Rod was a former federal senator so in the federal parliament, yep, 2016 with Pauline Hanson's One Nation at the time. Rod moved away from Pauline for whatever reasons. I won't go into that. Rod was um, subject to, so Rod is a farmer. Foremost, he's a farmer and he's a very outspoken, um, he's a protector of our lands, of our farms. Sorry, I, I thought I'd put that on mute. My apologies. Um, he's a protector of our land and our farmers and he's doing everything he can to stand up for our farms. Now, if you, anyone wants to research 60 Minutes Rod Culleton, go have a look at the interviews that 60 Minutes did. They will make you cry. They will break your heart because this is what, these corporations are doing to our farmers every single day. So Rod, you know, Pauline said to him, and I, I've met Pauline a couple of times, I've spoken with her, but basically was, you know, Rod, you either pee or get off the potty, so to speak, as a former boss of mine would say. So Rod decided to put his hat in the ring and he won a seat in the Senate. So he was, he was sworn in, one of the few that I'm aware of, lawfully sworn in senators in the federal parliament. And Rod created waves from day one because he noticed something that had that not even 16 justices had noticed in the High Court, and that was how the High Court was issuing its writs, in what name. The Attorney General, George Brandis, actually congratulated Rod on calling it out, being the first person to actually pick up on such a flaw. And that flaw for us is, is pretty much the foundations of what we're doing moving forward, which is the restoration of the Commonwealth. Australia has, if I can show you, Australia has a constitution, right? It is our constitution. And for it to change, the people need to vote on that, right? So if you want to change or alter the constitution, sorry, it's in my pile of paperwork here, you have to have a referendum. Yes. Australia's had 44 referendums. And the politicians actually write the questions. So there's another thing. We don't write them, the pollies write them. So we've had 44 referendums since Federation in 1900, and that's when we moved colonies, you know, so every state was a colony, and we all agreed we're one land mass, let's just become one indissoluble federation. So we became one country, right? So you don't travel through states, you travel over Australia, as Rod right. says. Um, so uh, we, we are all about this. If you want to change the constitution, then the people have to be asked. And out of the 44 questions, that, sorry, the 44 referendums we've had, we've passed eight of them, eight. And remembering the politicians ask the question. And the last one we had in 1999, we were asked, do we want to become a republic? Yes. And do we want a head of state? Yes. We said no to both. Every state said no to both of those. So it was thrown out. It was rejected. Yet here we are today. How may we have and, and people can argue this, and this is why we we're inviting Malcolm Roberts and the Solicitor General. So we're quite prepared to put ourselves out there. And hey, if we if we're wrong, so be it. But let's just mm. have the conversation. Yeah. How may how may the Australia Act come into place without clause two being breached, the strength of the preamble? So it's a question I would ask, right? And there's going to be a few more that we will ask in that conversation. You can't do it, in my opinion, from what I know, unless the Australian people are asked first. Right. Never happened. And when we did finally get asked in 1999, we said, no, no, we want to remain under the Commonwealth. Well, show me, the, show me the, the line in the unicorn. Show me the royal crest. Show me the laws that govern the, the Commonwealth. It's not the Australia Act. 
So what are we being governed under, in your opinion? So in my opinion, we've been governed under... We've been, we're under the Australia Act, so they will pull in the Constitution as, as it serves them, I guess, to an extent. So it's not, it hasn't gone away. It sits there in the background. But maybe the, a better question is why do we have, why have the states control, why are the states controlling the country at the moment? Because if we move from a colony to a federation where the Commonwealth, the federal government has the power, so to speak, so the states can't act inconsistency where the, inconsistent where there's a law, um, how may the states have so much power to run Australia right now? How may they do that? And if you look back to 86, where Labor was all in power at the state and the federal, the, the creation of the, the Australia Act, and they're going, I'm not that well educated down this path. I'm only 11, 11 months down this path, so I've got so much more I've got to learn. And there's people far more experienced who can argue this, both for and against, so absolutely respectful of that. But I would argue that the Australia Act has given power to the, the, the politicians uh, at the expense, if you will, of the people. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, I want to go back to the point that you make about um, not travelling um, from state to state, but rather travelling across the country. And someone just made a really interesting point to me um, just today in actual fact that, um, you know, federally there, there are not the same COVID restrictions that there are via state. Um, and the highways are actually federal highways. So how are the states even locking down highways that don't actually belong to them? It's all these just little kind of, hmm, that's interesting. Well, not little, big. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. Oh, okay, why is that happening? That's interesting. That's interesting. And I, and I think it's... I think it's really interesting that you say you've had 44 referendums, only eight have passed, but all 44 of those have been written by politicians that on the best end of the spectrum sometimes can live in a bit of a bubble and on the worst end of the spectrum are just feathering their own nests and are beholden to a power that is other than serving the people. Well, just ask them. Ask any political party who they stand for. I, I write, I've written to every every uh, federal member in us i think every federal member or as many as i can any i remember and senator maybe in queensland maybe it was queensland i wrote to all the federal um lower house and senate members one of them wrote back to me one the rest i got an out of office now people look at me and i don't get back to everyone as well that's fair enough but i'm not in the parliament with seven staff supporting me either i'm one bloke sitting behind a computer in my house trying to get on the road trying to you know promote what we do what we stand for I don't have seven staff that could actually do that. For, uh, if you ask these people who they represent foremost, it is the party. Absolutely the party. And whatever the party says goes. And if that wasn't true, then all these people who are disagreeing and speaking out about what's happening in, in, in you know, and we know there's some disgruntled uh, federal members and state members in Victoria, if you look at Labor, why aren't they resigning? Why aren't they crossing the floor? Why, why aren't they doing that? Because they're the behest of the, in my opinion, off the party. My opinion only, of course. I may be miles off the mark. Mm. That's my view. So how, I mean, you said we've got to break apart the big four. Is that how we fix things? I know we've got a federal election coming up. The rumblings are that will be in the next four, five, six months. But apart from a federal election, how can we at a boots on the ground level actually fix what you say is a, a massive international corporate structure? Well, we have to get back under our Commonwealth, first of all. The elections, I think it's slated at the latest 22 May, might be 18 May, so he has to call it before then. Mm. Uh, he may call it even earlier. Um, mm. So, you know, that will happen. Um, 
we have to get back under our Commonwealth because we've the minute we get under our original law, we get back our protections, our rights and our freedoms as well. And it may sound so simple to people when, when you phrase it that way, but it's actual, in my opinion, it is fact. Now, the mechanics of how we deconstruct everything, smarter minds than that are going to have to help me to, to, to work that out and rot as well. But the beauty is if we go globally around the world right now, have a look at how many smart people that are experts in a particular area are speaking up. We don't need to have all the answers. We just need to know who to go to. And the people yes. ultimately have to decide. That this is the thing. It is a democracy. The people have to decide. And we're big on a people's initiated referendum. So if we get bills um, that we're, we're asked to vote on, if we get elected in the Senate, mark my words, we will go to our people and say, what do you think? How do you like this? And our policies are the same. Our policies are no different. They've been built from member up. So we ask our members, what do you want? What do you, I'm, I'm plant-based. I'm 100% plant-based. And if I were to control the animal welfare um, policy, it might look very different to what the most would want. But it's what the, democ the democratic process asks of us. And I just want to go back to a point about the states you made earlier, Rebecca. How may a state quarantine? So maybe one for your viewers to have a think about that. If they go to the preamble of the Constitution, they can look it up and just, you know, you can download it. It's online. Um, how may a state quarantine? That's one question I'll leave with them. We won't answer it here, but let them go and do some homework. Yeah, because I think it's actually unanswerable. <laughs> In my opinion, I just, I don't know how they've managed to get away with it for as long as they have. So if you had to whittle down everything that, GAP stands for all the policies to, could you possibly give us what the top five are? Like if, if GAP was to get in, how would the country be better off in five ways? Is that possible to do that? Yeah, well, I'll have a crack. I may not get five, but I'll have a shot. So one is to bring us back under our rightful law. So that would mean the people sit above the parliament. People here, parliament here. Right now, parliament is here, people are here. So that's one. Give the people the power back. Two, under taxation reform, most people don't know that we didn't pay tax up until I think it was World War II. So, and, and I would argue that we've, so, and in fact, I'm pretty sure I'm, I can back this up, but we're $1.45 trillion in the hole right now. It wasn't that long ago that Kevin Rudd put a ceiling, and I'm not, I'm, I've only learned this in 11 months, right? So I'm not a, I don't have history on my side with politics, but I've researched and I'm a deep researcher. So Kevin Rudd had a ceiling a debt ceiling on Australia at one point in time. And I think it got up to 150 in the end, 150 billion. We're at 1.4 trillion, 1.45 trillion. And that's showing no signs of slowing. But here's the other thing where people want to criticize the minor parties for not having an impact. Maybe have a look at our investments, our assets that these, these politicians have sold off mostly to foreign agents, foreign corporations who paid little or no tax in this country. Little or no tax. Have a look at the land title here in Queensland and indeed around Australia. Ask where, ask where the money that we pay, so for registration fees, is going. Ask where your land title is going. Have a look at that because that will make, and we're gonna, I'm going to push this point when I go on uh, in and around Queensland. I'm working with former Senator Len Harris on that. Now, have a look at the $280 million that's collected from when you lodge your, you know, if you own a home or you're buying a home, you lodge your, your title deeds. $280 million a year is going into a corporation. How does that corporation, it doesn't go into state coffers, state treasury. Let's just be clear about that. So how may that $280, be, $280 million be dispersed? Where does it go to? Who knows? There's no direct, if you search, if you search, um, even if you do a, a Dun & Bradstreet lookup on these directors, you can't find them. And even if you pay $19.95, they're not listed.
So who's getting the money? Where does it go? Where does this money go? So these are things we want to expose so we at least people of Australia can see. We're not saying it's all deceit and deception. I'm sure it's not. But we have a right to know. We have a right yeah. to know why it's being done a certain way. Right. And the longer we the longer we don't address it, the harder it is to come back. So that would be another one for me as well. Health and wellness for me is a major problem in Australia. Yes. Um, you know, chronic chronic health, and I know it, I know it moves. It's a moving target. But two to four percent of the population had chronic health conditions, and I know they've added to that over time. So I'm aware of that. Fifty five years ago. Nearly 60% of Australians, I think 58% of Australians have chronic health conditions. And acute, if I can quote an, an 1819 doctor, 1800 doctor, he said, acute was basically something given to you by God and chronic is something that you and you've taken on because yes. of your lifestyle choices. Where is the root cause addressing all of these problems in Australia? You know, where is the honesty about, about, we have. Well, I can't go into a certain place unless I take a said shot. Yet someone over here, so I can take a test and I can be negative. Not that I ever have, but if I wanted to take a test, I could be negative for said virus. Yeah. Someone over here who's taken three of these shots may not ever take a test. Go into an establishment, may be infected and spread it as we're now seeing. I, on the other hand, have a negative test. I can't go into that establishment. How does that even make sense? The question should be, am I infected or not? Who's infected? Who's infected? Yeah. Like Things like these. And the truth that comes behind the pharmaceutical industry, I'd love every Australian to get a copy of the, um, the Pfizer contract. I'd love to see how much of that's been redacted. What does it mean to Australia? What does it mean to our country? I'd love, copy, uh -huh. I'd love minutes from the National Cabinet, which Senator Rex Patrick tried to get. And what did Scott Morrison do? Great legislation. So no one could get it under FOI. So he hasn't got it through, mind you, yet. But yeah. So there's that. Um, we're big on Nuremberg. I don't like calling it that, but we are so hell-bent on having a Royal Commission as per the 1902 Royal Commission Act to actually hold all these people to account. How likely do you think it is that we would have said Royal Commission? Well, if we get in, let me tell you, we'll have it. So that's a commitment, no doubt about it. This is why we need to break this two-party preferred system because the longer yeah. it stays in place, the less, the, the less power, I use that word, wrong word, but the less the independents and the small parties can actually make an impact. You need, I'd love a hung parliament. I'd love to see Liberal get 50 seats, Labor get 50 seats, and the independents have to work together. Like you, people might argue, well, you'll stop Australia. And I said, maybe we will, but we'll stop Australia from going down the hole even more. But we will then have to cooperate as a nation. And it would really force a change. This is not going to be a one-year change. This, this may be three or four term change. So people have to get that into their head that you may have this disillusion of, um, of the other parties as the other parties come through and take up the seats in, in the lower and the upper house. Yeah, because it, it, I think a lot of people are looking for a silver bullet now because it's very, very uncomfortable. How can we fix this in the next three months? And the, the, realistically, this has been being done now for about 70 years. What I personally, in my opinion, see as being a very significant communist agenda that has crept in over a long time, um, it's not going to be solved overnight. I think it is going to be a, a, um, a few terms, like you say, but when you say, oh, you know, the, the, the country, da, 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 but th that's the whole point that we, that we have to go back to is that we have to have the people 
up above and the government down below serving us as public servants. That's what they're supposed to be as public servants. And the reason why it's crept to be the other way around is because we all have unfortunately been asleep at the wheel. And so the only way to reverse that is to actually step up and take responsibility both in your vote but also in your day-to-day decisions. You have to actually start putting back into the nation and what better way to fix the nation than to, to stop up the plug in the dam, you know. Let's stop up all these damn wall holes that are there with what, what the major parties seem to or have been doing for the last 50, 60, 70 years. Yeah, spot on. We are public. Tr- so if you're elected, you're a public trustee. You are a public trustee, not a rock star, not someone that deserves to be put on the stage and, you know, applauded and rah, rah, rah. We are seriously there. If people are in the parliament, they're there as a public trustee. And we flip that and we've allowed it. The mainstream media has enabled that. But we mm-hmm. tune into the mainstream media and we give it power. And the less you give it power, <laughs> the less the power creates, you know, so that's that's kind of a position I would take um, when it comes to uh, a parliamentary position. Like I've never wanted to be. I don't. I don't care whether I'm in the public limelight or not. Like I don't seek any applause or adoration for being up on. So I speak because I care for the people. Because mm-hmm. I want to represent, not represent, represent what people want. And it's sadly lacking, Rebecca. It is sadly lacking. It has been for a long, long time. As you say, it goes right back. Mm. And now I know that you will be. Um you'll be in bubbles of groups of people. You, you certainly will. You, you won't be speaking to the, the far left in conversations likely. Sure. But in your last 11 months that you say you've been really looking into this and now you've put your hand up for politics, are you seeing a groundswell of people that are now wanting to become more active and are educating themselves and wanting to actually push for change? Without question. I know I live in an echo chamber to use, well, maybe not yours, but I think that's what you're intimating. There is that echo chamber thing. And I used to think, well, am I just talking to an audience of people that believe the same thing? Here's here's what convinced me otherwise. I did some research and there was a Harvard review. There was a Harvard study done. So Incredible Minds. They did it in 1900. And they they did it from 19... Sorry. Sorry. They did it recently. But the study went from 1900 to 2006. And they talked about... Peaceful protests versus violent protests. And peaceful protests are twice as likely to succeed than, in, than any other violent protest, wow. um, in my opinion. So when you, when you overlay um, the fact that people can move forward with a, with a peaceful way forward, you then start seeing, uh, and I guess if you see the police take the pressure off the crowds, especially in Victoria where they were mm-hmm. pretty much violently assaulted, mm-hmm. you see the numbers starting to swell. And, you know, in Brisbane the other week we had, when I was at um, Musgrave Park, I reckon someone estimated 150, 170,000, you know, Melbourne. But when you have a million people on the ground, and what this other, sorry, what this study said was um, part of it was that for every person, I can't remember the exact number, I think there's like 10 people that would have agreed with the position taken. Right. So if you, even if you... Even if you simplified that, you said there were a million people um, pre-Christmas standing up around Australia, right? Big numbers, all regional, and the regional for me was the key. Big numbers in the majors, but the regional was the key. So well done to all the regional centres around Australia because that's where the power really comes from, in my opinion. If a million people stood up 
And let's just say three or four people wanted to be there, not 10 that couldn't be there, right? So three or four people. And i, I got to say, I interviewed people um, when I'm sitting down going, you know, do you know anyone else who wishes that could be here that isn't here today? Yep. And they'd rattle, they rattle five, six. One guy said about 20, but he's one guy. But let's just say three or four. That's three to four million people. There's 13.8 million voters in Australia. So if you've got, what's that, four into 13 million, if you've got that number, it's a, it's a pretty big number. That gives me strength. And the more they push this agenda, the more that you become unqualified, you know what I yeah. mean? If you yeah. don't take the third one, you're no longer part of the, the program. The yes. more people are going to say, hang on, I've done everything you've asked me to do. Right. You're still making me do this. You're still potentially locking me down. Right. I'm doing everything I can. You still get me to but you, you told me if I followed your advice, this yeah. would be great. All yeah. they're doing, all Rebecca, all we're seeing is a massive shift. We're seeing a wealth transfer shift. The numbers don't lie. I don't need to manufacture anything here. And it's coming from small business, which is, I think, I think it employs 96, 97% of all Australians. I think the number yes, is there about. Yes, it does. We're seeing a massive wealth shift go from there to big corporate. Huge. Yes. And this aligns to what I said earlier about big corporate are in bed with government because they control the narrative, they control the agenda. Mm. We have to break it. We have to stop it. Australia is a is a nation of small business and we have to defend these small businesses to the hilt. Mm. So what would you say to the, the Jeff, Sally, Bob, Susie that are listening to this going, oh, Jason sounds like a top bloke. I really like what he's saying. I'd love to get involved, but I'm just a... Blah, I'm just a blah. What do I know? I'm not clever enough, quote unquote, to be a politician. How how many um how many people are actually standing for gap around the nation? Are you guys bringing on more people that are willing to stand for seats? How would they go about doing that if they want to get involved? Yeah, sure. So thank you for asking that too. Um, and we are unscripted, so I quite like this. It's my preferred flow. Um, firstly, I would say, mate, I barely graduated kindergarten, so I don't think you need to be the sharpest tool in the shed. I think what I have a what I ever have a, a passion and a hunger for is learning, is education mm-hmm. and validating. So I've been caught out before putting up stuff that wasn't true. Um, I put it, I think, twice I have. Mind you, I was kicked off Facebook the other day for putting a, an ad on Marketplace selling a caravan because I violated their community standards. Selling a caravan. Anyway, <laughs> that aside, so what we're, yes, we have had, we've got many um, candidates. That, so there's, if people want to, and I really push this for Queenslanders right now, if yeah. you want to run in the lower house, so the House of Representatives for, for, for the Great Australian Party, email candidates, plural, so candidates at greataustralianparty.com.au. So if you want to run for the lower house for your seat, wherever you, I'm in the seat of Longman, where I live. I'm not. I'm running for the Senate, so that covers the whole state. So I'm not after a particular seat. Mm. So if people in Queensland want to run, candidates at greataustralianparty.com.au. We have many candidates in other states. South Australia is really getting a massive surge, which is great. We've got people in New South Wales, Victoria, WA, where Roddy's, of course. I'd like to see more interest in Queensland. We've got. Mm. We've certainly had people express interest, mm. but I want to see a lot more because that will give. A lot more strength, not just to me, not just the Great Australian Party, but to IMOP, to Australian Federation Party as well, because we've got this cooperative running where we support each other with yes. the foundational platform of rest- restoration of the Commonwealth. 
Yes, I was actually told about that yesterday by an ex-senator uh, down in New South Wales. She she told me that you and um, a number of other parties are partnering together and cooperating, which I think is so powerful. Mm. And that is the way we're actually going to win this election is by sure. showing that the independents can cooperate for the benefit of the nation, not for the benefit of themselves and not to just hurl abuse at each other every time they get in pol- parliament and then nothing ever really changes so anyone that's watching you right now, and I'll put the link in um, the email that they can um, that they can go through to if they would like to explore standing. But do you have any tips or tricks? Um, well, not you know, not tricks, but any anything that you would like to say to people who are struggling right now? Um, you know, where could they go to better educate themselves? What could they do to become more effective in their day to day life? And then we'll finish off with your vision for what you see as being a better Australia when we've actually got some independence in power. Well, okay, so a lot to uncouple there. Um, I guess the benefit of having people like um, uh, Mike O'Neill's uh, Informed Medical Options Party, Glen O'Rourke's Great Australia, uh, sorry, Australian Federation Party, and the other ones that are, that have expressed interest. Is that when if they if we all won twenty seats, that then creates a massive shift. And if we're all agreeing up front, then we all agree in the parliament. So that's the ethos of it. Um, so for sorry, I've, I've probably got waylaid there with your point. Sorry, what was your first question again? I totally. Uh, how can people, um, you know, better educate themselves oh, or yes. you know um, empower themselves to be able to move towards the Australia that they really want? other than standing for GAP as, a, as an MP? Well, I'd understand the fundamental problems that are wrong at the moment. So we're yeah. saying it is the restoration of the Commonwealth, the deceit that's taken place. So if people want to... Um, uh, Constitution Watch is a fantastic website. Darren Dixon, I cannot applaud this guy enough. He has, He's one of the most knowledgeable minds that I've ever met. I mean, Professor Augusto Zimmerman out of WA is another one, constitutional expert. Uh, Neil Pitchin is another guy. I think he's got ourcommonwealth.com.au, I think, or .com. That's just come on board. If you want to learn about what's happened, that's a really – and if you want to learn about where we think the flaws are in what's happening, they are some fantastic websites that you can go to. People, for me, sovereignty – when people say, I want to stand up for our country, my question is, so what about you? What do you want to stand up for? Because it's okay to gain sovereignty back for the country – but if you're only going back to where you were in 2019 or 2020, then I'd argue we haven't moved forward. Mm. People, and this is a hard thing for people to face into, and I don't have all the answers, right? So I don't work. I don't have a job. My wife um, is, has been threatened to lose her job. Her, her head office is in is two states away. And if she doesn't take said, you know what, um, by the end of February, she doesn't have a job. So we don't have an income. But wow. This is not something I haven't thought of. I mean, but we plan. So what I would say to people is this is this is probably the greatest golden nugget we could ever have bestowed upon us because it makes people, it forces us into even decisions that we never would have to have considered before. So what you just ask yourself the whole what if statement. So I remember doing one a uh, executive MBA at Mount Eliza once and they took you through the old what if or say what, so what, what if. So what if you have to sell your home? What if you have to take a gap year or gap year, you know, two or three, whatever it might be? You need to decide, is it worth going down the path of the medical apartheid, as I'm going to call it? Mm. Or do you make decisions that you go, you know what? I'm going to sell up. I'm going to, I'm going to go relocate. I'm going to go look for different work that doesn't require me. I'm going to do a host of things. But it forces you to look within yourself mm. instead of gazing outward because 
looking outward has led us to this issue, in my opinion. And if I go back to myself as an example, I didn't. I, I just looked at these people as, oh yeah, okay, that's what the government's saying. I'll just do it. They've got to, no more. So when we talk about sovereignty, it truly is sovereignty over yourself, and it is taking control of yourself. It's not pushing anxiety to one side. It's actually addressing anxiety. What's yes. causing it? What's triggering it? Yes. Move through it. Ego is another thing. Move through it. Don't just push it away. Move through it. So take control. You're going to have to make hard decisions. Some people, uh, and they, I don't call it homeless. They're, um, they're, they're probably houseless now. They're making decisions. That, you know what? I'm going to go build a small shack. I'm going to go buy a caravan. I'm going to live in that for three years, whatever. There's a bunch of people doing a lot of things differently. Now, it's going to be hard for some people who might be overcommitted, but then the outcome in a year or two from now may well be one of strong benefit for them. It may actually help release this debt bubble that's been imposed upon us. But everyone's going to have their own journey, Rebecca, on that. Mm. Yeah, and it's not a silver bullet. And we do have to make decisions um, for the long term, both for ourselves and for our families. Sure. Uh, well, I know we've run out of time today because you have another call to get to. You're a very, thank very you. busy man. So thank you for the time that you spent with us. And Pleasure. I'd love to get you back in a few months' time for you to report as to how is the race going, you know, how many more people have signed up to GAP, what's going on in Jason's world, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, yeah. thank you so much. Pleasure. And thank you for all you're doing as well. I mean, I've had the privilege of seeing you speak uh, once before up at, I think it was Nambour that time. And obviously we were on the Zoom last week, but I think the more people that, not I think, the more people that come together, the more action we take. And I'm not a massive believer in hope. I, I get hope in the broader sense and I hope people don't take offense to this, but if hope is here and here's where we are now, then hoping to get to somewhere is kind of like wishy-washy to an extent. Yeah. You know, create something, then take action. Just bit by bit by bit, move forward, and that hope will soon be realised, in my opinion only. So good. So good. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jason. I look forward to speaking with you again. And uh, for anyone that wants to get in touch with GAP, the link will be in the description. Um, have a great rest of your day, and thank you. Thanks, Rebecca. Have you got an inspiring story to tell? Register your business now for your chance to be featured on our Fair Go podcast. Ready to lend a helping hand? That's great. You can chip in through the website. Remember, 100% profit goes directly back into local small business. Together, we can rebuild this great Southland for ourselves and the next generation. Go to fairbusinessaustralia.com.au.